son, ask for thyself another kingdom, for that which I leave is too small for thee.
so the video that you've just seen there is a fan-created, a very talented fan-created music video for the song Alexander the Great by Iron Maiden. And of course we've given full um, credit to the guy who made that video in the description down below. We thought that for all the boyos out there, and indeed for all men to be completely honest, that we would take the character Alexander the Great, one of the great men in history, as an example of what a man could be, especially in the context of the Father Complex series that we've just been doing. Because obviously you guys did a very touching video together on what that confirmation looks like and you've discussed before what that can look like in the context of your own life, Steve. Yes, indeed. Of course, one of the things boyos and uh, you know guys who you know, perhaps find themselves attracted to these videos are suffering with is they've not been confirmed. And we've said, of course, that you can confirm yourself. Mm. And what better example of that than Alexander the Great? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he had, uh, we talk about, we joke about the mother of all complexes uh, and the father of all complexes. Well, he had both and in spades. Um, he was probably the most extraordinary figure of the classical world, bar none. Nobody got near him. Um, and a lot of the impetus for him becoming as great as he was, was the influence of his mother and the influence of his father. Uh, and of course the extremely harsh times in which he was born uh, when Macedonian kings on average had a very short lifespan because they were always getting murdered like the later Romans emperors were for example uh, with court intrigue and politics and so forth but Alexander's mother Olympias was a woman who was very very closely inducted into the the mysteries of ancient Greece uh, she used to sleep with snakes uh, rather than her husband, King Philip, uh, and actually told Alexander when he was a boy that his real father was in fact the god Zeus, who had come to her, so to speak, in the night in the form of a snake. Now, Alexander believed this under the influence of his mother, uh, sufficiently to believe that his future was as the embodiment of a classical Greek hero. His own uh, hero was Achilles. Uh, he carried a copy of Homer's Iliad with him everywhere. It's, it was under his pillow at night, wherever he went in the world, he took that with him. And his ambition was to be a greater hero than Achilles. And in terms of what he achieved, there is no contest. Achilles, okay, probably was based on a real historical character. Uh, but Alexander's conquests and achievements in terms of culture and, and civilization broadly were unparalleled in the ancient world. All of the Romans looked up to him. They all knew that they couldn't achieve what he had achieved, but they, even Julius Caesar wept before a statue of Alexander in Spain. Uh, Augustus as well visited his tomb. So did Pompey, Pompey the Great, Caesar's great rival, Mark Antony. Um, many, many uh, Romans uh, tried to model themselves on him and on his achievements. And in fact, Julius Caesar was attempting or about to attempt his reconquests uh, all the way up to the border of modern China uh, just as he was assassinated. In fact, that was one of his goals, his military goals. Um, a very young man uh, at the time of his death, he was uh, only 32, but he said during his lifetime he would happily exchange a short life for living for eternity in men's uh, memory as being a man whose achievements would give them would give posterity no chance of equaling that was the man's drive you couldn't say to him that something was impossible because he'd just go and do it um, but 
the drive to do that came also from his relationship to his father and wanting to outdo his dad. Um, the complexities, the historical complexities are, are quite huge about that relationship, about the politics that was going on. But he, he proved himself in battle at the age of 16. He always led from the front. Uh, and he had a lot to thank his father for. His, fa his father brought Aristotle, at the time the greatest teacher in, in Western civilization, to Macedonia to instruct Alexander and a carder, a young carder uh, of companions. Uh, they were called the Companion Cavalry. They were the elite cavalry of Macedonia, who had all started life as royal pages, they were called. These were young men who were going to be groomed to be the elite in, in uh, the new coming Macedonian Empire. And Aristotle taught him and taught the others, such as Ptolemy, who founded the Ptolemaic dynasty in Egypt, of which Cleopatra was the, the final uh, representation of, taught them all uh, science, philosophy, uh, to respect other religions, to respect other people, but also to have that endless drive of seeking um, to go out into the world, to learn as much as possible and to achieve as much as you possibly could. And Alexander was fired by that. And on the murder of his father, he became uh, the king of Macedon, of course, and immediately set out to conquer the Persian Empire in revenge for the earlier invasion of Greece, which, of course, um, involved the famous Battle of Thermopylae with the 300 Spartans. So, what an incredible guy. Um, his biography, the best biography of Alexander, and I've read many, is this one by Robin Lane Fox. If you want to study his life, have a look at that. This is incredible. This was someone who was never equaled in his day, and I would suspect if you scale things up, he's never been equaled since. Uh, he had a vision for a United Nations. He, he believed that, that all peoples of all nations were equal and should be treated as so. Uh, he believed in all religions were equal. He believed in civilization fundamentally. But his other side was of this indomitable warrior. Uh, who would never give up under any circumstances and his military achievements and his individual courage are unequalled. He was wounded I think 11 times seriously in his life. He led from the front, he treated women with great respect and courtesy and demanded that of his men. Uh, if there was no food or water for his men he wouldn't have it either. Uh, if he asked them to cross a mountain range he would be first there. If it was winter, if it was the heat of summer, no matter what the obstacle he would be there with his men and they loved him for it. So he's an exemplar even down to this day of uh, classical masculine virtues I would say. Mm. A true hero. So do, do you, would you say then, would it be fair to say that where he got his strength of character from would be not from his parents but from the relationship with his yes. parents, the complexities there? Yes, he, he, he self-confirmed, I think, uh, and, and to follow on from what you said, that was, uh, that was the overarching thing. He was driven by it, and he, um, without a doubt, he wanted to better his father, and he, he wanted to better Achilles, his hero. Mm. Um, but he didn't do it in that pathological, purely pathological sense, because he did bring civilization with him, and he did treat women with respect. He did build cities right as far as I say the border of modern China he took Greek culture he, he gave birth to the Hellenistic era uh, his image was used in Buddhism um, in Hinduism he's well known he, he's also uh, makes a, an appearance in the Quran as well um, he's in the Bible I think it's the book of Daniel I think he's um, mm -hmm. if, if I'm right so. um, an incredible figure uh, who died very young had he not died without 
so young, without a doubt the history of the world would have been different. His elite personal guard uh, of silver shield warriors were considered to be like the SAS of their day um, and after his death they were considered so dangerous they weren't allowed to form a group again together uh, they were sent off on missions individually or in small groups uh, hopefully to get lost somewhere where they wouldn't cause a problem to the succeeding Macedonian uh, dynasty but many of them were still fighting hand to hand in the front line at the age of 70 and you think about that, that is quite something you know, um, amazing Mm. What a generation! What an extraordinary generation of people! Mm. Uncanny. Mm. So, so, Gareth, what is it you take from uh, the story of Alexander the Great? Um, <clears throat> I find it massively inspiring. To be honest, is, mm. is there anything in specifically that you're asking? Well, I mean, that, you've, or... you've got the man's life yeah. there. You've got the man's achievements there. I'm wondering yeah. when you look at it or when you think about it, what's what's one, two, three? What things kind of jump out at yourself? Uh, it, it inspires you to be the best that you as an individual can be despite your limitations mm. so obviously someone like myself will never reach that sort of potential but i can internalize that and utilize that to reach my natural potential yeah. limit if that mm. makes sense so i can go out into the world and be the best that i can be mm. using that narrative as inspiration essentially mm. and i you know in my day-to-day -day life i try and do that as well yeah and i find it massively inspiring mm. and, and useful well i mean i guess it's you and i as young yeah. guys and you teach yourself see actually we don't have the opportunity to go and conquer the entire no. world no. literally with a sword yeah but but that that's that's a, that's a you know um, a larger narrative version of what can happen day to day in yes. your own life it is that conquering masculine spirit well, we all fight which our, own is... our own battles day to day don't we mm. like you say not with a sword but you know Regardless, you can impl you can implement that same mentality into yeah. your everyday issues. Yeah, don't yeah. back down. I think yes, is, uh, yeah. don't don't back down. But also, as you were saying, Steve, it's don't be an idiot about it. Mm. And that's what strikes me as well, because obviously one of the things that jumps out to me too with Alexander the Great is like how he lived his life as well, and mm. there's this his like drinking stories and yeah. stuff like that, mm. which are very enter entertaining. He, um, you know, that was wasn't there that story where he he slept in. He was so confident one day he just yeah. slept all morning or something. Mm. Yes, he did. He, uh, I think it was around midday when this, the biggest uh, battle, the, the one that's in the film actually, that's portrayed in, in, in the video that, that he ever fought, and probably one of the largest battles in, in the history of the ancient world, where he was outnumbered by maybe seven or eight to one. Uh, he just stayed in his tent, just, just snoozing away till midday, when all of his, his father's generation of generals who he had inherited were all panicking. Uh, and it was just like, it doesn't matter, we will prevail. He had it all worked out. He had um, what Napoleon called the strike of the eye, mm -hmm. which is he could look at a terrain and understand it. He could internalise it and know what the, um, the advantages and disadvantages were, how best to use the units that he had. He was extremely flexible. Um, he, he would reconfigure his army for whatever task was necessary. He wasn't rigid. Uh, just, just a genius, a military genius in every respect. Um, and his men just loved him, mm. and I can understand why. If I'd have been a young man, then I'd have been off with. I'd have been off with him. I'd have walked all the way mm. from the Balkans to the mm. border of modern China with him. Mm. Yeah. I tell you that now for what, nothing. What a life to lead, really. Well, oh yeah, you yeah. Know. I, I'd have definitely done that. The most inspiring figure I can imagine, really, mm. with his personal courage, but also his intellect, uh, his education, his manners, his courtesy. The one downside, I think, is that when he got drunk, he was not a man to get drunk with. Um, <laughs> trouble would ensue, and he actually ran through one of his friends with one of those 18-foot-long uh, uh one night when he got drunk. Um, because 
this friend of his had uh, said, oh, uh, your achievements are built on those of your father. Mm. Which is true up to a point, because he inherited his father's army. His father's army was revolutionary. Um, it's easily on the level of the Roman, the later Roman army in terms of its training and efficiency, but, but Philip II of Macedon was the first to really introduce a modern professional army. Um, with perhaps the exception of the Spartans, but the Spartans were quite rigid in the way that they fought, but, but uh, Philip was very, very flexible. Alexander inherited that army and modified it further beyond what Philip did, but this annoyed Alexander, so he grabbed one of the, the, the spears off a guard and ran his friend through and killed him. Uh, but then lay on his body for three nights weeping. Right. right. So that made it all better. <laughs> as you do. As you, as, you do. As, you do. as you do, yeah. And then he burned down the, the capital of the Persian Empire, Persepolis, because he was drunk, and uh, an Athenian prostitute called Thesis, I think her name, that's how you pronounce this, who was the consort of, um, of, of his, uh, his friend um, Ptolemy, who founded the Ptolemaic uh, dynasty. Um, so she was an ancestor of Cleopatra suggested that they should so he just got up and set fire to the place and burnt it down he outdoes me in every single way including trips to the pub yes yes unbelievable he'll burn an entire city down when he's drunk I, I like what you were saying though um, both of you about the idea of inspiration so yeah. one of the threads I'm very passionate about on the, on the channel as I think people know is the idea of um, trying to become a man in the internet age because of yeah. my own background mm. and the idea of gurus coming in being like okay a, a guru comes in front of you you have some kind of transference onto them and then you try and incorporate bits of their life bit by bit but you take any guru on the internet and you compare them to alexander the great <sighs> no it's like ah goodbye yeah completely no, no goodbye there is no point to it no. whatsoever no. and the word inspiration is good it's good it's like breathing something in isn't yes, it it's, it's not taking like oh yeah. a really popular trait on the internet is like so how how did they schedule their day and what habits do they have alexander the great he didn't give a crap about habits no, and, no, and no. structuring his day or anything like that no. you breathe in the spirit of the greats because the spirit of the greats is in you yeah he, he's very much into problem solving uh, the famous Gordian knot which was a prophecy to say that whoever could untie this impossible knot it was the size of, size of a wagon um, would become the master of Asia and he was asked to go there when he invaded Asia Minor which is modern Turkey and he, he'd driven the Persians back from the coast because that was in the Persian Empire at the time and he knew it was, a, it was a political stunt because he wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. So, uh, no one could. So he looked at it and he just drew out his sword and he hacked it in half and said, the prophecy did not say how it should be undone. By the sword, I will undo the Persian Empire. Mm. Woof. You know, that was good. And then the siege of Tyre. Tyre now is not an island. It was an island then. And he sent uh, an emissary to the Phoenicians, who uh, the same people who founded Carthage, who controlled the city of Tyre, saying, I wish to enter and uh, pay my respects at the temple of Heracles. And they uh, mocked him and, and basically said, well, the Persians tried to conquer our city and got nowhere. It took them nine years before they gave up, but the, the, no way. The only way you'll do that is if you can take hold of the shoreline and pull it to mm. our island. So he didn't like that. Next day, a mile-wide causeway was under construction mm. and he pushed it right out to the island, broke in, and uh, only those people, those soldiers anyway, who um, sought sanctuary in the Temple of Heracles were spurred. Mm. But he let them off. Mm. I mean, you think, think about Alexander yeah. in terms of the, uh, as everyone should, in, in the, the, the biopsychosocial model, <clears throat> especially the social side, because yeah. you said he's got mum, 
He's got dad and the complexities of those. You have the greatest teacher of all time, uh, yeah. <laughs> arguably. And then, yeah, and then yeah. you also said he's had that cadre of people yes. around him. Yes. I think that that's that's another fascinating thing. He yes. didn't do anything alone. No, he didn't. And uh, a lot of people have tried to say that without that, he couldn't have achieved it. Without his father's infrastructure and the basic army that he inherited, he couldn't have achieved it. Well, that was his starting point, as I say, his father's army. But what he showed, which was so different from everyone including his father, because his father built this very balanced force, but he didn't modify it beyond that. Alexander continually reconfigured his army. Mm. Um, he beat the Asian steppe nomads. Nobody had beat them before. He did. He, he figured out how to do it, and he went and did it and caught them by surprise, hammered them, and he never bothered them again. Um, when he was in Afghanistan, um, the Sogdian Rock, where he met his wife, uh, Roxanne, who was the daughter of the, the ruler of the rock, they mocked him because they said, you'll never get up here, it's impossible, unless you can find the soldiers who can fly. Next morning, they were up there, uh, and he said to them, see, I found the soldiers who could fly, and they were mountaineers from the Balkans, from Macedonia. Mm. Some of them were shepherds who were used to hanging off the sides of mountains, going after sheep and things like that, but they knew how to scale uh, high places. It, it just any anything at all. If you said you can't do it, he would do it. But yes, he did have a card with him of extraordinarily talented young men who all became kings in their own right, kings and generals after his death. Uh, and they kind of uh, cemented the Hellenistic age, which was the spread of Greek culture, all the way to the border of modern China mm. and out into the Asian steppes. And that's why you see Buddhas in Afghanistan and India, wearing Greek togas. And Alexander himself is considered to be a protector of Buddhism. It's just uh, astonishing. Mm. Just to draw on the point you made about him having a support network as mm. well, and his critics saying that he couldn't have achieved what he achieved without them, I feel as though he would have tried anyway. Yes, he would. Mm. Even if that was taken from yeah. him. Yeah. Was that driven? Or got, got a new one. Goals. Yeah. Or got a new one. He would. Yeah, it wouldn't have stopped him. Yeah, so the importance of a card, when you think about it, uh, and, and the model that we use um, for those four stages of confirmation, that's the peer group, the confirmation of the peer group. Mm. And it's hugely important to get that for all sorts of evolutionary reasons and adaptive reasons and psychosocial reasons. And it's possible for young men to form carders of peers now who have idealistic goals but are nevertheless committed towards achieving it. It's the backbone of any successful elite military group. Yeah. Uh, however scaled, whether it's a small four-man unit or it's a company-sized unit, or if you work in industry or anything like that, the, the notion of the team working collectively towards a goal is so important. Mm -hmm. That's something else that we, we, you, know, you can bring forward, and Gareth's done that in his own work, yeah. of inspiring other people, haven't you, to, to dig into themselves. Some and the best too, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Similar to Alexander's mentality, I very much believe in leading from the front and getting in the trenches with your team. And uh, having been a team leader, that was very much the ethos that I brought with me and implemented with my staff. Uh, one of the compliments I got from a staff member was, we love the fact that you're out there with us. You're not sat in an office, removed from the group. I'm out there leading from the front and showing them how it's done. And that gives them something to inspire you know, inspire them and, and work towards and it, it gets great rapport with your team then because you're one of them, you know, and it, that's been fundamental yeah. in, in yeah. my career development, really. And, yeah, it brings out um, the best in you, yeah, doesn't it? absolutely. And, uh, so we've, we've all got that, that capacity within us, but 
when men become neutered, they lose that. That's one of the first yep. things mm-hmm. that they lose, is that esprit de corps amongst a peer group. Uh, and if you've not had confirmation from a father, it's an ideal place to get it. I mean, Alexander actually believed he, that he hadn't had uh, confirmation of his father, partly because his mum said that his real dad was Zeus rather than <laughs> King Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another story as to how he got around that. Um, but he, he he felt that he needed the, the confirmation of action in the world to prove himself with his cadre of, of, of peers. Um, an amazing individual. Mm. And I know that Gauss also been influenced by the story of Thermopylae, haven't you, and the 300 yes. Spartans? Yeah, um, particularly the, the part where uh, a Persian scout witnessed them all combing their hair and wrestling before the actual battle and it was they reported back obviously to the to the other Persians and they mocked them. Oh they're all they're all gay, they're all queer, combing the hairs, but they no they were getting ready to die. Yeah. It was it was a ceremony and yeah. it was an acceptance of that and they showed up anyway and they gave it the best just knowing that the that that day was their demise. And so it's almost a rejection of nihilism. Yeah. That yeah. oh it's you know it's it's awful, we're all gonna die, let's not bother turning up. No, let's let's go anyway and let's let's make it the best day on earth ever. Yeah. Before we, you know, we clock yeah. out, yeah. and I think that's a very powerful statement. Yeah, it it, it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. As I recall, there was uh, Xerxes, who was the um, the Persian emperor, was given that message, and then someone who knew the Greeks' traditions said, "No, no, you're getting yeah. completely wrong. They're doing that because they're going to fight to the end." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oof, even got me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you can you can implement that. The archetype of that is yeah. so strong. It if is. I can call it an archetype, it's emotional, instinctive base, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have to be that extreme. Obviously, they were flawed as a society in other ways. But if if you take that and you implement that in in your day to day life, you you can use it to get through hardships and to empower yourself through them. Um, you know. Yeah. So that's where I feel it has merit. Yeah, and, and yeah. James was mentioning about Thanatos before as well, yeah. weren't in connection to how do you explain this biologically that uh, people might give themselves up, give their life up, or make a sacrifice like that. On yes, behalf of yes, the group. from 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 a purely like Darwinian perspective, unless you take a selfish gene perspective, but that's you know like fifty years old now. You you and even even Freud would would, would say this: self preservation is key. That's what genes want is their own preservation. So in terms of we're going to die for the glory of an empire doesn't at first glance make much sense. So to then combine that with Thanatos, I think does require some level of explication. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, Freud did come round to the notion of, uh, he thought a cluster of death instincts and it was his followers who coined or applied the term Thanatos. But um, I think it's real. I think Thanatos is real um, for a number of reasons. You get nihilism, which you know, in its negative mm. sense is a form of Thanatos. Then you get the acceptance of old age and death the literal acceptance of the winding down of that, uh, that must be biological, it must be an acceptance of it, and then you get self-sacrifice, and you could bring in the selfish gene idea there, which is a bit mechanistic, it doesn't impact the emotions in the same way, and then you've got this kind of thing, um, where people have a choice whether to live or to die young, and, and, and in, in the act of dying, they complete themselves, they individuate in a Jungian sense through death. Yes, yes and, that's true. Uh, that's uh, quite stunning, and, and we normally regard such people as heroes, and we give them the highest accolades and highest awards, or we used to. Uh, the culture's angling a little bit differently at the moment, and that will change. All such uh, things ultimately change over time, and the more fundamental aspects of, uh, of human nature will come through, as they always do. Mm. Um, but for those 
people who need that self-confirmation and who the heck doesn't, male or female, then it's an inspirational thing, I think, to believe that life is actually worth dying for. There's a paradox for you. Mm. Well, death's a part of life. Yes. Yeah, Uh, isn't accepted in the West. Yeah, as Jung said, it's the goal of life. So in that sense, he was accepting it. And in that statement that, that death is the goal of life, that Thanatos is a real thing, it doesn't have to be negative, though. Like a lot of things, they can appear to be one thing when really they're another. Mm. So self-confirmation, yeah, vitally important. And, and for your generation, hugely important at the moment because it's neutered or it's attempted to neuter you guys. Yeah. Um, and that's why we have the biophenomenon. That's a reaction against that but perhaps not formulated sufficiently to, to be a true resistance to those effects. That's it, yeah. It's, it's not, it's, I mean, it doesn't need to be centralised necessarily, but it is kind of just resist. That's yeah. it, with, with no sort of purpose moving forward, because the whole purpose of the Boyo movement, if you can even call it a movement, is we're looking for something. Yeah. They have no idea what the something is, myself included, back in those days, and thanks to yourself and Pauline, I'm on uh, a track where I think I know what I'm looking for now, at the very, very least. So, you know, which has been hugely valuable to myself. But on the peer group idea, we call the students at IPSA the CADA. We do. Of course, the, the namesake coming from there. And I'm starting to see, I don't know if you have as well, that uh, people in the uh, Discord server are starting to form a cluster group. Yes. In a, in a straight, you know, some people are lurkers. You know, most people are lurkers in, in every single server. But the people who are there all the time are forming something and they've got yeah. a thing around them. And it's like, well, you, you can all come together and confirm each other. Yeah. Because you've all got very similar backgrounds. Yeah. Regardless of whatever damage you've had, you've also experienced the same mythology. Yes. In a strange sense. Historical mythology. Yes. It's strange. The same gurus, the same problems, everything together. So it's like, well, why the hell not band together? Why the hell not? But, and that's the that's the instinctive thing too, because we all feel it. It's not a prescriptive thing. Mm. It does come from within. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. It's uh, it's funny that it should take root psychologically at the moment, because that's at the level of the soul, you could argue, and that's where real change has to start from within, uh, in a group. Uh, other than that, you're going to get man of personalities trying to lead them, and someone mm. could argue perhaps that you know Alexander was a man of personality. He wasn't because he wasn't fake. Mm. He was real. Man of personalities tend to be fake. They tend to be all persona. There's no substance behind what they do. That man had substance, incredible substance, incredible physical capacity to endure the unendurable. Uh, and in Mark Solm's uh, sense from neuropsychoanalysis, his seeking system was like off the scale. Uh, mm. And his ability to relate to was also the, the, of primary importance. And when you think how damaging his relationship to his mother was, that's something of a miracle that he managed to do that, but he did. Um, so yeah, that's an archetypal image that's based on a real character from history who really did things, whereas we can argue a lot of the Greek heroes from mythology weren't real or certainly mm. can't be substantiated, but that man can be. Mm. Uh, and that's why he was a beacon of courage and, and valour, uh, even for the Romans who followed him 300 years later. Mm. Yeah. I think it, potentially it's important to mention as well that uh, Alexander the Great had his own personal myth. Yes, he did. Everyone else watching and the three of us also have our own personal myths at the same time. Yeah. Because I know how powerful these things can be, especially because Alexander is, uh, he, he blends history and mythology together. Yeah. E- even in, in the modern world, he still does that. So it's like, yes, be inspired, but don't 
I've seen it with the, the, the Greek movements. They're very mm. straight. I don't, don't know what it's called, but it's like, I'm going to become Achilles. People say this. And they're like, well, I'm going to lift weights to yeah. become Achilles. It's yeah. like, that's not Achilles. Achilles would laugh at you. Yeah. In your, the, the, the Greeks only got lifting weights for the sake of it. They forged themselves, and it yeah. wasn't puffing themselves up for the sake of it. It was psychological maturity for a purpose. Yeah. And the purpose then is different to the purpose now, yeah. as times have moved on, and it's your myth, yeah. not someone like Alexander's. Yeah. You know, we can look up and respect somebody like that regardless. Yeah. His, uh, his collective myth was Homer's Iliad. But this is the difference, and this, this comes into the, the, the idea of a personal myth, that he wasn't contained by it in the way that you've just suggested, that some people are today where they try to become Achilles. Alexander took Achilles, the story of Achilles in the Iliad, as being the benchmark to exceed in his own life. Yeah. <laughs> and then he created his own myth. Uh, which is also history, as you say, and that's why that's persisted and why cultures as disparate as Islam, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, and of course in the West, and, and included the Roman Empire, they all admire Alexander. Um, not because he's a myth, but because he was real. Mm. He really did it. He had a myth to set himself against as a benchmark, then he went out and did it in the real world. That's the personal myth versus the collective myth. And, mm. and today, sadly, so many people are looking at collective myths and allowing themselves to be drawn into the fabric of them and they lose their identity. He would never have done that. Never. So we're saying you should, everyone watching, if they're so inclined, should aim to exceed Alexander, not to yeah, become him. Yeah, good luck, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> like Robin Lane Fox says, they're the biggest boots in history to try to fill. Mm. But what an inspiration. Mm. He, w he would have said, go ahead, have a go. <laughs> uh, and he would have meant it. It wouldn't, he wouldn't try to put you down. Go for it. It doesn't matter if you never reach that because you no. will, in doing so, reach your natural potential. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that. son. Yeah, that's absolutely. What's yeah. That's what's important. Mm. Yeah. So the personal myth comes by rejecting the collective myth and forging your own life, which is what he did. The Personal Myth Ultimate Handbook is now available for pre-order for release on January 7th, 2021. For anyone who has a yearning deep in their very genome to become who they truly feel they should be, this guide is utterly indispensable. Pick up your copy today and make 2021 the year you truly begin to become yourself.